0: This is Space Cats Peace Turtles The unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium Episode 73, Knockout Map Analysis TKO Music by Ben Prunty Featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson
1: Wild, well, we have an episode to do today, Matt. We have an episode to do we right got, now. It's time to do it. It's time. Let's get ready Wait, to... Wait, okay, let's,
0: let's make it just like last week. So you start talking, and then I'm just going to, like, randomly have a different conversation on top of you. Does that sound good? <laughs> so you, you, you just go ahead.
1: You go. You go. Okay, so... Uh, and it could be about anything. Just anything. it doesn't matter. So I just want to talk a little bit at the top here about how much yeah, it's I a direct love Star hit is Trek. a pretty good action card. Star I don't Trek don't know if Next I agree Generation is about my favorite hit, being like uh, number number six. Uh, Deep Space Nine is like kind of obviously the best one. It's probably gonna it's be really, right, bit over.
0: Bit over. They've
1: they've heard enough of that. Uh, hey everybody, welcome it, to episode seventy three. Uh, here, let's just pause let's just pause for a second, not say anything, and then start laughing. Oh yeah. uh last week was weird huh so yeah so last week uh was a was a bit messed up uh the uh edit got a little chewed up uh the dog got a hold of it and if you
0: you i want to say if you listened to last week's episode with the audio bad i don't know why you did that not to say it's your fault not putting the blame on you but so it's a weird adventure you took yourself on right? To, to listen to an hour and a half of desynced audio. That's super weird. But that being said, plenty of people listened to it not messed up because I actually did fix it about two hours later. The problem is podcast feeds work weird. So this is your PSA to if you tried to listen to last week's episode and it was a garbage dumpster fire after about the 40 minute mark. It was fine up until about 40 minutes and then it very quickly started to fall apart. Uh, you can fix it. And if you want to listen to episode 72, which is Hunter and I's favorite episode we've ever recorded, it yeah, is the it, funniest thing we've ever done. And we you should go back and listen to it. It is fixed now. But on your podcast app, what you may need to do is unsubscribe from Space Cats Peace Turtles, restart the app, and then resubscribe to Space Cats Peace Turtles. That will fully remove the download from your device and then... Redownload the episode that was uploaded later. Uh, so that, that is how you make sure you've removed the old MP3 and you get the new MP3. So please go back and listen to that episode, and I am just sorry from the depths of my heart that I messed that one up. Um, I, I tried to speed edit it first thing in the morning on Tuesday, and... A goobered. He was a, so. s- a
1: sleepy boy. He was a sleepy, sleepy boy, boy from all of the Twilight Imperium content we have been trying for those to of you. For you. those
0: of you who don't know much of, or who do know about audio stuff, it was we we had split the recording with Jada into two pieces, and the second piece somehow his file got messed up and got into a different uh, sample rate, and so it over time drifts. So I when I went and went to our sync point where we start all at the same time, that was correct, but then basically. Because time is an enigma, he talked a little bit faster than us. Mm-hmm. Because that's how technology decides to work sometimes.
1: Yeah, it's a, it is a it is a bummer uh, for the record. Yeah, definitely our favorite uh, episode that we've ever yeah. done. Go back and listen to it. It's it so, so much it fun. It's great. Uh, it's a good topic. Uh, Jada Paik was a great guest it sucks that if you listen to the bad version it sounds like we're being a jerk to, really jada mean to jada <laughs> yeah. yeah we
0: just ignore him and laugh randomly and yeah. ignore his comments pretty much constantly
1: because honestly us having jada paik on the show is something we've anticipated for a really long time mm-hmm. and it just kind of suddenly happened like right i didn't even quite know that that's what we were about to record yeah. it was like well, you were like yeah, oh and, and i didn't got get jada. to prep.
0: yeah and i didn't get to prep him fully on his end of like getting the tech to, you know, do everything I needed to do. So it was, a, it was a little bit of a rush job. So that's just all, that's our bad. I want to apologize, but let's get into this week's episode.
1: Yeah, so this week's episode is going to be a little bit weird, I think for people that are in the tournament, and I hope you guys do not panic, but we, yeah. we did realize that if we try in that, the semis are only three games. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's the, well, also by the way, by the time you listen to this, the first game of the semis is going to have already happened. Right. Um, we're
0: recording before we're saving the discussion for all three episodes for next week. You mean, uh, you mean of all three games, all three, three games. Next what did I say? Episodes. Sorry. All yeah. three games will be next week. Um, and so this week we had to kind of find a little bit, something different to squeeze in here. And honestly, we're going to want to dig into those semis games pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, because the difference with the prelims is we had 18 games to analyze. A little bit of each is enough. But with the semis, we need to like really figure out what's going on and we're trying to get a better judge of these winners too, right? The three players that win these semis games are going to be three of our finalists. Right. Uh, and if you don't know the structure of the tournament, that today's going to help with that because today we're going to be revealing the knockout map. Right. Uh, Which the knockout round, for those of you not fully familiar with the the, the schedule, we're doing these three semi-games, three six-player games, three winners go to the finals. The remaining 15 players will get reshuffled into basically a double elimination semis that we're calling the knockout round. Um, So then we will do three five-player games. So the map we're going to talk about today is a special five-player map for the tournament. Yeah. But... Yeah, we're going to want to dig in. We're going to want to really start to learn, like, talk about the three winners because the three winners are are finalists. So we really are going to want to, like, trace that map of, like, how they got to their win, what kind of player they are, and what we might be able to expect from them in the finals. So next week is going to be a big episode for the tournament. This one is to get the knockout stuff out of the way. And I don't know. I think of these map reveals as only halfway tournament stuff, right? Like, you don't have to care about the tournament to have some interest in these
1: maps. Right. Any, think, anybody personally. can play on these maps and we yeah. release them very publicly. And uh, I don't know. I think they've, I think they're fun. Um, and I think it's crazy that we've been able to come up with uh, this many maps that have such a uniform yeah. um, like concept to them.
0: Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. Once we also then reveal the finals map, um, that's about all I got. Yeah. Those four <laughs> maps in terms of Symmetrical design maps, which was the goal for this tournament. Every map was supposed to be some form of symmetry across the pie slices. Obviously, balance is different. They're, they're not all perfectly balanced pie slices, but they are symmetrical pie slices. Mm-hmm. Um, but after these last two, uh, I, I do not have many more ideas that can shake things up as far as symmetry right,
1: right. is concerned. It will be Matt's uh, final. Final map. I I would not expect to see Matt really work on a map (laughs) ever again. I'll never make another map again. He's out after (laughs) that. This is is it. This is his, uh, this is kind of
0: the, you know. Actually, I'm more afraid of the opposite where I'm like, now I'm itching to make crazy maps. Right, yeah. I want to do, now I'm going to turn into like Mac part two, right? And me and Mac are just going to go off of these crazy tirades and make, Think maps that are just straight lines, it's just one row of system tiles. Oh, yeah,
1: sure, that (laughs) doesn't make any sense, but okay. Um, Matt, what is the title? You have a really good title kind of tagline for this map that kind of gives you an idea of what the general concept. Well, actually, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. but actually, before you even introduce that, obviously, our the concept with the just to kind of do a little bit of recap the concept of the prelims map was. Um, to be as balanced as we could possibly work it out, because it was going to be played on the most times. Yep. Um. With no no real equidistant uh, systems. All right. the all the equidistant uh, hexes were the anomalies. Or a blank space. Yeah. Or a like, blank. It was space. just yeah. It was just nothing. It was right, nothingness right. in the
0: in the anomalies. Everyone had a clear path to Mechatol
1: Rex. Right. Right. Which was nice because it's kind of like you know it's a very like a safer map. Uh, something that anybody could play on, and I think have a pretty good time, a good game. Yeah. Um Not super punishing or or no or super but scary, still
0: very combative in the center of the map, right? Like every mm-hmm. at first, everyone's reaction was like, no one's ever going to fight, but then it turned out, well, there's constant brawls surrounding Mechatol Rex on that map, right, all the time,
1: right. Um, and then the semis map is kind of the opposite, right? I mean, we're right. t- we're taking all the high value stuff and putting it equidistant, um, essentially. Uh, and I can't wait to actually see it get played on, but we can kind
0: of make a lot of judgments that like it's, and, and just hearing from other people talking about games that have been played on it, people testing it, it's like a weird, you, everyone jumps into ring two and starts kind of like circling like sharks and just. It's a freaking knife fight right. between six different people. I mean, it's just a nonstop slugfest,
1: right? Um, and in that one, all the anomalies are basically placed um, in the as uh, it right or left from the home system. I don't even remember. I'd have to pull it up, but it, it, regardless, it's in that
0: fi- it's in the outer ring. So all right. the, all the anomalies are kind of non starters. They're just out of the way.
1: Yeah. So it feels like a like the semis map to me feels like a, a bare knuckle brawl where it's just open for you to fight and get and get into it. Yeah. Um, and there are lots of points of contention. Yes. So with all of that being said, what is the concept for the knockout map? Um, so the biggest thing
0: at play here is in the game, there are only five anomalies. Yes. So anytime I've been trying to balance a map with six players, there's always this weird situation of like, so what do we do to the sixth? If I'm putting the asteroid by this player and the gravity rift by this player, someone is going to end up with no anomaly. near them or in their area or whatever so then someone always ends up getting kind of screwed over with the anomaly secret objective or whatever but this is a five-player nap map and uh that means everybody gets to have an anomaly so i decided to just give everybody an anomaly that every everybody just gets one right there in front of them um (laughs) right right in the way uh this map is defined by the symmetry of we've played with anomalies Out of the way. We've played with anomalies in equidistance. Now it's time to play with anomalies right in your face, directly in front of your home system on the way to Mechatol Rex. Right. And trying to balance a map against that because obviously a asteroid field is weighted differently than a supernova when it is in the way of you and your uh, path to Mechatol or whatever. Um, so this map is, is an attempt at that, and right, I'm right.
1: pretty happy with it. So, so this, th- thus far, though, this map sounds really mean. What is the caveat? What, what uh, do we have to say about the other so spaces? You
0: so you ask, what is the title of this map? Uh, this map, outside of the fact that all of the things in front of home systems are anomalies... Uh, we're calling this Captain Crunch. Oops! All planets. Oh, beans. We dropped the planets all over the map, and it's just—it's just all. Pla- I, they're spilling everywhere. They got all over. They're just completely surrounding everything. It's all planets. Uh, there are only two system tiles that are not anomalies that are not planets, and that's the empty wormholes. Every single other. This is. There's been a lot of uh, debates about the semis map and how whether or not it's legal. Uh, Because if you were were to build a cooperative or competitive map, everyone gets three blue tiles and two red tiles, right? So every red-backed tile is forced in, which means in a six-player game, two blue tiles are taken out. And the Semis map broke that. My justification was, well, the pre-made maps in the Learn to Play book break those rules as well. The six-player map in the Learn to Play book doesn't even have the Gravity Rift in it. So, clearly, Fantasy Flight has already established a world where if you are doing a pre-made map, it does not have to c- follow the conventions of a competitive build. Right. The standard rules-as-written build. And since we're using, first off, should be said, if you're not looking at the map already, which there will be a, a link to the image of this in the Reddit post, and I'll post it on Discord. It'll be everywhere I can get it. But this map, we are using the Warp Zone uh, hyperlane system. Right, right. Uh, this is our, this is our preferred method for five player maps. We don't like the trade good method. Mm-hmm. This essentially just cuts one pie slice out. Everyone has equal opportunity like they would in a six player game. I do not take the, the, the point that like removing planets removes the chance of whatever X things. And this one, all we did was remove empty systems and Vefit two and Saudor, right. right. That's right. That's all we took out for this map. Everything else is in there. So you're not missing any traits. You're not missing any tech specialties, uh, anything like that. Um, so we we like the hyperlane. It is a little visually confusing for some newer players, but because this is the knockout game, we're not talking about newer players here. We're talking about players that should be able to handle the curveball visually that the warp zone tile
1: yeah. gives. Yeah.
0: I don't expect this to be a cause for concern for any of these players.
1: Right. And also I want to say something about um the notes that you have. I think these are probably the best notes that we put out for a map. Yeah. Um we have marked every space, um, that you can get to with it color coded, um, from your yeah. home system based yep. on how many spaces away it is. Yep. Um, what we've excluded is we, we haven't done anything. If something's more than three spaces away, we did not bother to mark it. Cause that's crazy. That doesn't even yeah. make sense. Right. Um, that would just end up us marking every s- hex for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. And we also did not, we assumed that you would be able to take the two hexes that were one space away from your home right. system. So we don't that you mark that for
0: somebody else. Right.
1: So if I'm three away from the system
0: adjacent to your home, I'm not marking that as a three away. That's, your, that's yours by right. That's your pie slice. The problem with this map, and the reason it was so much harder to, to define, is because so many of the pie slices are not a typical pie slice, right? The person with the supernova in front of their home system the next planet on the path to Mechatol Rex is no more theirs than any of their neighbors. They Mm -hmm. are three spaces away from that, unless they're Muat. Right. I mean, I I guess you could throw in a Muat caveat there, but beyond that, everybody else is just as far away from them as possible. So we had to define the pie slices a little bit differently. So we went with this, if you're looking at the map, this one, two, three method. Right. Um, Now, sometimes threes and twos are on the same spot, but if it's one spot away, we didn't count that. So the math is going to get really funky but that's because at the end of the day all of these numbers are meant to just try to help inform but they are in no way like indicative of what an actual game will look like because for some of these people there are five system tiles that are three spots away from them and we included all of those numbers in their three systems away count. Right. You are not going to get all five of those systems probably ever in a game. Right. So it's not fair to count it but it helps kind of tell the story of what's going on with each of these different system tiles.
1: Right. And Um, I, I think with this map, uh, I think it would be a good time to kind of get out this idea that if you have the map before, um, looking at the numbers that we put down as a guide, mm-hmm. I think is less important than you looking at the map and being like, okay, what am I going to try and go after? Yes. On this Which direction this map? am I going to go? Right. What direction you, makes you're... the most sense for me to go? Because for I can't get players, all the things anyways.
0: Right. And for most players, these anomalies bisect your options. You can go left or you can go right. Yes. You very rarely, or you usually don't want to go straight forward. So you got to choose a direction. Maybe some factions can go both, but generally speaking, most people are going to pick one direction
1: and also one thing i want to i want to spell out before we start breaking down the the individual slices. I think the smartest thing that you did, matt here, and this is this is you uh completely uh probably root a little we should give root some uh some credit yeah, here because he, he helped, did give he some, feedback. some feedback yeah um but what I really love is that each home system on either side um has a two-planet system that's pretty good, and then a one-planet system that is not so great. Um, the two-planet system, the better ne- system that neighbors your home system, is going um, to your right, or yes. uh, yeah, that would yeah. be a way to put it. Yeah, to your right, to your right, meaning that the direction you want to immediately expand is towards the player that you don't have speaker advantage against. that right. that player. For people has not speaker- familiar
0: with speaker advantage, that's to say the person on your right gets to almost always pick their strategy card before you, which means they get a leg up on you. They're going to take something from you that you want. If, if you were hoping to get tech, they have the opportunity to get tech before you. So yeah, you will be expanding to your better system in the direction of the player who can lord a little bit over you.
1: Yes. Um, and I think that talking about concepts like that as far as balance go are maybe even more important than just crunching the numbers. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah. I, I think sometimes we get a little lost in the weeds just evaluating everything based on... The raw data of yeah. what are the numbers that are available to me? Because as long as those are within a certain range, I think basically anything is viable. Right. Um, and this map proves that. I mean, this map crunching the numbers, you
0: can break your brain trying to figure out like what is realistically like an option. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just kind of you have to start taking in different things into consideration because yeah. the numbers fall apart really fast for a lot of these pu- slices.
1: I right. Mean, um and they're they are pretty complicated uh every uh every slice has a breakdown of the yes. um what is Can available I, to, yeah go
0: ahead go ahead let me go over this optimal thing too cuz i actually we get asked this question a lot um and this one is is the even like the most confusing version that we've ever had yeah no it's pretty difficult so if you're looking at this map and you see these numbers in each pie slice you see one colon something two colon a mess of slashes and letters and numbers uh, these are what we're calling optimal values. Uh, optimal values as opposed to raw values or actual values or total values, which is what we use in the semis map. Total value is if you just added up all the numbers, this is what you get. The best example is Barrig Lurta 4, right? Barrick Lurta 4 is Barrig, a 3-1, and Lurta 4, a 2-3. Barrig to 4 is 5-4 total value. Right, But you will never get 5-4 worth of value out of Baragler to 4. That, right. That's just not how it actually works. You're either spending resources or you're spending influence. So it would be misleading to call Baragler to 4 a 5-4. Mm-hmm. So instead what we do is we have to make kind of a weird wiggle room. And let's lay out what the rule that we use is. The rule is we want to get influence in increments of 3 so that we can buy command counters off of leadership. If we have 4 or 5 influence, that doesn't do us any good. We want to have 3, six, nine, 12 influence, stuff like that. Um, so, as best we can, we try to get increments of 3 influence, and then everything else goes into resources. The other thing we're trying to do is, generally speaking, it feels a little dirty to spend—think uh, of it this way. It, spends weird, it feels weird to spend 3 trade goods on a command counter, right? You're burning 3 resources— to spend the three influence on command counters. What people like to do is spend something like Meharzul, a one three. Mm -hmm. I'm only losing one resource to gain my three influence. Um, So generally speaking, we would like to spend more influence than resources on command counters. So every time all these optimal numbers are based on trying to get the most command counters without burning excess resources. And that's what those numbers all mean. If that's all very confusing to you, I just wouldn't worry about it too much because honestly, outside of the two systems adjacent to your home system, you're not guaranteed anything.
1: No, so on, the numbers don't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. On this on this map, the only domain that is a given to be yours are those two systems because the system adjacent to Mechatol Rex on your side has a, a big old anomaly in front of it, and the yeah. only, the two slices, I'll go ahead and give this away, the two slices that have asteroid fields, which you would say, oh, if we have anti-mass deflectors, then shouldn't I have access to that? Um, that's where the alpha and beta wormholes are, right. on the other side of that asteroid field. So yeah. nobody has easy access to the system adjacent to right. Mechatol Rex.
0: Um, and the last thing I want to say, that is like a general overview, before we start really digging into the map, is... Uh, And and we will bring this up again in the specifics, but I want to say the Nebula and Supernova consideration were really scary for me to do because I don't like the idea of anyone just like not having a shot at Mechatol Rex. Right. It doesn't seem fair. Right. for, For three players to be three away, but two players are going to be further than three away. Because of this Nebula Supernova business. It slows you down a lot. The Nebula, a little bit less so, obviously. But the Supernova, straight up, you can't get there. Right. So the other consideration we did is, those are the two slices where the wormholes are adjacent to your home, and we have positioned the empty wormholes so that you still have, if you wanted to rush for Mechatol Rex... Even in the supernova and nebula pie slices, you could rush for Mechatol Rex and mm-hmm. be just as far away as anybody else. Right. You go to Quan, to the empty Beta, to Mechatol Rex. You're there just as fast as anyone else. So even though you can't do it in the standard path, Mechatol Rex is just as far away from everybody else as anyone else. The the weirdest one to consider is going to be this gravity rift slice, but we'll cover. that. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, do, where, do we want to start? start yeah, let's yeah. start um, with the the yellow position bottom Um, right yeah bottom right um it is the nebula slice and we are calling it evera forevera yeah Um, which is a reference to uh probably my favorite ti3 hex that is not included in ti4 it was an expansion hex it is a it, I, what is the planet is called Evera, and it is a planet that is inside of a nebula and it's so much fun. I don't even it's think really it's really dope necessarily very good. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's great because
0: you have defensive advantages in nebulas, right? That's so, true. So get parking a bunch of stuff, depending on where that system ended up. Sometimes I remember Evra ending up in really crazy places that, m- meant you could do I mean if like Evera is adjacent to, to Mechatol, X. yeah that would be cl- crazy it was awesome but obviously we're not talking about that this isn't actually Evera but this this gives us that feeling this the reason I love Evera for Evera as a name is so far I would say in every map we've done and in most maps I pre-make I feel like the nebula gets a short shrift it doesn't it doesn't feel like an impact. And this right. is the fir- this map, every anomaly has to have an impact. So we're really feeling the nebula right on this map and on this pie slice i think the nebula is going to be a a a primary consideration of like what are you gonna do
1: in that nebula right and i i do think that this is maybe one of the only maps i've ever seen where it feels like the idea of parking a pretty solid fleet in the nebula doesn't feel like a huge waste of time especially i i'm glad you're saying that because
0: i was even thinking if you park the extra flagship in that nebula that's insane that's a, you're in prote- you're protecting a lot of Pie Slice, and it has a base defense bonus inside that Nebula. So if anyone ever wants to come and deal with that flagship, it's double
1: defended from right, what it normally right. is. Well, let's talk about what are the systems uh, adjacent to your home system. Obviously, yep. we have Nebula in the north position. Uh, what's on your right and on your left? So on
0: your right, again, two planets to the right, always. One planet to the left, always. To the right is and raron That's a 1-2 and a zero three. A lot of influence. So on the left... Because we want to solve this nebula problem with a wormhole, you get Lodor, right three one with mm-hmm. the alpha wormhole. Mm-hmm. So ends up being a raw or a, 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 an optimal value of what we're calling four, three, because you can't really spend Kason as a command counter unless you're a faction with you know an easy one influence in your slice or whatever. But generally speaking, you're going to spend Kason and Lodor as your resources and Raron as your influence. Mhm. Um, we're not going to do a crazy in-depth numbers breakdown of every single one, but I wanted to throw that out there so that you can kind of learn how to do this math yourself when you're looking at uh, this this uh, image of this map. So, so that's where those numbers are coming from.
1: Cool. And uh, so the second the the all of the planets that are two away, which yeah. I'm going to call that they're they're technically equidistant, but on this map they feel more like choke points. Yeah, honestly because true. they are in because be- they're all sandwiched in between these anomalies you're right, right right and 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 without you know with without considering movement and if everything just has to move one then uh which it, it will not work out that way but for some people it will have to be that way yeah. um we have to the right uh we have new albion starpoint that's shared uh with your purple uh spot neighbor. purple yep. neighbor and then sharing with your red neighbor your equidistant is arnor lore Yep. Um, which brings your optimal up to a, a 5 3 with a green skip. Yep. Um, there is one extra consideration, which is that technically, if you did two activations or got warfare, you can get to Lazar Saculag through the nebula, obviously. In just two, movement. and yeah. two movements. In two movements, which is kind of a weird exception that we've thrown in here. Um, but Lazar Saculag is your, technically, your three away neighboring yep. with Mechatol Rex. So, yes. there you go. There you go. So yeah, and th- and so that uh, that bumps it up to like an eight three with a
0: green yellow skip. Um, what what I find interesting about this slice is, uh, and again, all these slices are hard to say like, oh, this has an advantage in X trait because like you kind of have to pick a direction, right? Right. You you can't expect to have equally strong fleets going in both directions and be able to compete with both neighbors at those choke points. It's you're gonna have everyone's gonna have to pick one direction, right? More or less. Um, But if you this one has an industrial advantage, we should say, you know, surround everything surrounding your nebula is what we're going to kind of call your pie slice, even though two of those are things you're sharing with other people, really three of them. But you have five industrial planets right within that realm of territory. Um, So that's pretty good. Uh, I also want to point out the alpha opens you up. If we're talking about systems that are three away, Lazar Saculag is three away, Thib is three away, but then going through the alpha, you can jump over across the board to Cornique, Resculon, Dalbutha, and Exxon, which means you also sort of have five or six cultural planets somewhat at your disposal. Right. So this is a great defensive slice that has a lot of ability to get traits of the same type.
1: Yep. Yeah. I would say that we are probably going to see a lot of people jump through the alpha um, to take, to surprise, take some cultural planets from yeah. uh, some of the some of the uh, either green or white player, um, or know, maybe we should, even we red. Shouldn't, we shouldn't forget to mention: that don't let the warp zone trick you. Alpha can jump up to
0: Centauri Graal too. So realistically, you're looking at six industrials and seven culturals
1: within three spaces right, of your home. Right, and and most of this, I, I would say the the green, red, and yellow players kind of have this all in common, that they yeah. will have a ridiculous number of access yeah. uh, to lots of different types. Um nobody, nobody has it as a given. Obviously, that's basically impossible because you only yes. have three planets that are within your specific domain. Um, yeah. Everything else will have to be fought over, which I think is one of my favorite things about yeah. this map, that the control yeah. objectives will all be... R- Basically accomplishable for every player, but difficult. Like yes, yeah. Um, I'm really excited about that. If if we're calling the
0: twos choke points, the threes are more like just like an open bag. Like I don't know, you're gonna pull one or two out. You're not gonna you're not gonna get the whole bag. You're gonna reach your hand in and see what you can get. The the threes are just this sort of like I don't know. Try to get some of it. So when you're looking at the numbers here, the one is like oh yeah, you're guaranteed. Pretty much that. The two is you'll get half of that. And the three
1: is like, I don't know. That's what's available to you. Right. It Good could, luck. It, it could happen. Um, let's talk about tech skips a little bit. Um, yeah. So one thing that's notable about Evera Forevera is it is uh, it and one other slice, the green player slice, have something in common in that neither of them um, receive a tech skip on the house. Yeah. Um, all of their tech skips will have to be uh, they will they will be gotten from like contentious will be earned. Yeah. yeah um but those tech skips that are most likely available are the green um, on New Albion mm-hmm. and the yellow on uh, Lazar which actually right. I would say this one of the weaknesses of this slice might be that it has a little less access to tech skips
0: right um than now the other. that being said again that Alpha Wormhole opens you up to Grawl. right uh, you can always get to Thibba realistically what you have at, if we're calling up to three systems away sort of your world you've got a green a yellow and two blue that you technically could get access to right again we do not expect
1: someone to get access to all of those but that's kind of your realm right and and i do want to say uh which i probably should have said it before uh like always we are open to uh if you've got some sort of way to fix to not necessarily fix this map because I actually love it already. I'm pretty. I'm this pretty is my hot favorite on it. map. This yeah, is my favorite map so far. I'm pretty hot I like on it more this than one. The prelim map, but if you find something that is just a no-brainer fix, as always, we are totally um, open yep. to that. Um, I think my prediction for Evera Forevera is uh, it's kind. Of, it's it's hard to say, but I do think that the Nebula is actually going to get a lot of use i think um, so
0: and that's what i hope for it that's right. like my dream forever it sucks that there's only going to be three games on it in terms of the tournament uh i want to throw this out there I I, op- I I made new stats pages for all the old maps mm-hmm. and when this one gets released there will be a stats page f- release for this as well if you ever play on this map please record your game on it yeah. uh we track things like all of the opening strategy card picks, everyone's position, uh, round two strategy card picks and speaker order, and final round strategy card picks and speaker order, as well as who takes the custodian's token and final points. It's a bunch of information, so you kind of have to be taking notes as you go, which I understand is a, lo- a lot to ask for just like a casual game. But it's it has been really useful to gain that much information about specific maps because it helps us inform different things about the game we've learned a lot about how good trade potentially can be we've learned a lot about how sometimes Mm -hmm. construction round two is really like we we get all this new information that is really really useful so i'm i have those things posted they will be a part of the reddit post you can always find them on reddit.com slash r slash wiki slash maps uh that's where you find basically the, the the reddit map collection and i put all of my maps in there with their posts and their stat collection pages. So please collect your stats on this map if you play it outside of the tournament.
1: Yes, please do. Um, one one more prediction I want to make for Evera Forevera before we move on is that I think um, this and uh, the green player have something in common that I, th- I think they will more likely be the custodian taker. Um, really? I, I feel The reason I'm saying this is that I feel like because of the wormhole access, that depending on um, whether the white and purple are a blue tech faction, uh, yeah. if they are, then they might beat you to the to the custodians. But I think green and yellow are kind of the second place people as far as custodian access, yeah. um, because I don't feel like they're going to get in each other's way to do it. Um, yeah. And that if you're if you expand a lodor round one. Uh, and then are a blue tech faction or you get gravity drive, I think we're going to see a lot of people that activate Mechatol Rex first turn round two um, from these positions, green and yellow. So um, I
0: I think there's some validity in that too because what we're starting to see, and again, we haven't seen it in the tournament games yet because you and I currently have not seen the games, but what we're starting to see is in games where equidistant territory is really important, It's pretty rare for someone to be like, I'm going to go to Mechatol Rex. Right. The prelims map was like, everybody's heading towards Mechatol Rex. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. You're going to get on the way to Mechatol Rex. But the person who decides to just go ahead and go... The person in the semi's map who takes warfare is probably best off going for Mechatol Rex because nobody else is going to get close. Right. And you can just grab it. And I think you're right that maybe on this map, even though you've got the supernova and nebula problem, everyone else wants to jump on those choke points. Right. And you guys can just you and Green can just ignore the choke points, go through your wormhole and go take Mechatol Rex. And then come back through, right? Like if you go to Lodor, then the empty alpha, then Mechatol. After Mechatol, you can jump back over to Lazar, Saculac, and be kind of back in your, right in on. your slice yeah. again if
1: you want. That's a total that's I think I think we will see a lot of that because I don't see um the white or purple player wasting a command token just to block your wormhole um so yeah i think a lot of uh, for a lot of the other positions the players are going to mess each other up um as far as their ability to take uh, mechatol rex early i just think green and yellow have the cleanest shot because you basically just have to straight up block them and you get nothing for blocking them you're right. not taking right. any planets there. It's literally the alpha and beta are the only two non anomaly hexes where you get nothing for being there. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, that's just a kind of random prediction for me. Matt, do you have anything else you want to say about Evera Forevera before we move on to the red player?
0: Love it for Extra, love it for Ghosts. Yeah.
1: That's about it. I, lo- I love those two factions in this slice. This might be, there's been a lot of really good Extra slices. Um, tech skip wise this is not the best unless they can get to new well, yeah, new I Albion. mean new Albion okay. and like green late, and yellow, are green in and yellow yeah, right, right. Um, I think the idea of you getting both of them is kind of hard to imagine, no. but like we are going to see someone park that flagship in the nebula yep. and it's going to be heinous. I mean, this yep. is like six hexes surrounding uh six the, good the neb hexes. six i six, yeah, good I'm saying. planets. Six contestable yeah. important hexes surrounding Oh, if Evera was... If this slot was Evera and you could put PDS on it too, that oh would literally gosh. be unholy. Unstoppable. Unholy. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about the Red Slice. Yes. Um, so the naming convention for the Red Slice, it, it, oddly enough, has been about pizza. Um, <laughs> the last one was called uh, Classic Pepperoni uh, in the red position for the semis map. For yep. this map, we are calling it Meat Lovers. And meat Lovers. And it is... The uh, goofiest slice,
0: I think, in the whole tournament. I don't. I refuse to accept any errata. That's like, oh, if you do the math this way, the the math on this gravity rift slice is
1: a mess. Right. So the meat An lovers is the gravity mess. Is the gravity rift slice with the gravity rift uh, north of you? Um, your uh, the, your domain is melanin zobat. Uh, to your right. And then to your left, we've got Tar Man. Um, so you got that nice green skip there. Um, uh, it's worth noting that this is, on just, just a raw
0: numbers standpoint, if you're not using the Gravity Rift, this is the worst slice adjacent to a home system. Yeah. It's a 3-3 three, three yeah. that you're really getting the value of. And that, that's six total. That's the worst. But that's because... You get the riskiest slice. Yeah. you get to you get options if you should choose to take them. For sure, obviously, um, using the grav drift is a seventy percent chance of success. That's not so bad. Yeah, I guess maybe you should. I never do get it. seventy. I don't. I'm not batting seventy percent here. But um, so to to break down, if you're looking at the map, what all these disgusting red numbers mean. Because it is disgusting and it is
1: a mess. It's really rough to look if at. If you're looking
0: at the slice breakdown here, right underneath the Gravity Rift, where you see all these gross numbers, 33 g 29 br the left column is if you choose to play safe and never use the Gravity Rift. Pretend right. that the Gravity Rift is a supernova. That's what the left column would net you. Mm-hmm. One tile away, two tile away, three tile away. The right column is if you decide to use the Gravity Rift. Right, And we've, d- we've been very c- careful to distinctly set, say- to not combine the two. So, so that is to say, with this number one position, right, if we're saying the left side, left column one is Tarman, Melanzobat, then right side column is Arnor Lore, Thibba, and Aranam Mir, because all of those are one tile away if you are using the gravity rift to boost yourself they're technically two but you can send a carrier with one movement to any of those three planets and that's what gets you two nine blue red skip Mm
1: -hmm. that's
0: what those numbers mean again i know it's really confusing i'm just trying to give you as much information as i possibly can and the got there's a guide on all of these tiles everywhere else that show you what we're doing so so with each on each system tile it shows you if you're looking at the left number that's if you're not using um how, how far away it is if you are not using the gravity rift the right side is if you are using the gravity rift etc cetera, etc cetera. it gets very confusing right um which so is why we're not going to break down the numbers much beyond that because it's just there's too much
1: that you could say it's disgusting um there there is a if if you look at the way that matt has labeled what spaces you can move to uh there is a slash um on the left side it is how, many, how much movement it would take without the gravity rift. On yeah. the right side, it is with the gravity rift, which I think is a level of niceness that is, <laughs> frankly, undeserved. But, <laughs> but he did it for you anyways, okay? Um, too much information. I think we're going to see a lot of crazy stuff. Um, and if you're curious, why is it called Meat Lovers? Because uh, it's messy. It's a meat grinder. And it's, a m- and it's messy. It's just you're going to throw
0: chunks of meat through that gravity rift. We do not expect players. I, I don't expect people to play safe, especially on the tournament. I expect right. the players in this slice. This is the knockout round. These are players who lost their semifinals round, and they need to make plays happen. Right. That that's the way I view it. Now I'm that kind of player. So maybe I'm totally wrong. And maybe these players are like, oh my gosh, no, I have to play a perfect, concise, safe game so that I can guarantee victory. But I think the players that might win in Meat lovers are the ones that take those early game chances. Right.
1: Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of people jump through the rift to take Aaron Amir early. Agreed. I think, yep. I think that's kind of the one to grab, uh, of the two equidistants that are available. Um, I don't think we're going to see a lot of early... Thi- I don't think people are in a hurry to take Thibba, so I think Thibba's no, fairly safe. No,
0: say this much about it. It is good for the... If there's a round one Mechatol grab, there it is. There's your Winu. Right. I mean, I don't think people in the semifinals are going to be crazy enough to take Winu, but it's possible. Yeah. One of the players that won the prelims was a Winu player, so maybe, maybe that player will, will decide they want to go for broke
1: here. Um, I think uh, it's nice that you have the green skip. Uh, I wonder how that's going to influence people's picks. But what's what's a bummer about the green skip is that it, on your first round, I feel like we're going to see a lot of people that decide to take one of these equidistant. Yeah, systems. and they won't even go for Tarman. And early. they're not going to go for Tarman early. Um, and you know, round two is I think typically when you need the green skip. Uh, yep. If you're if you start with Neural to skip Daxiv. Right. Um, to hypermetabolism, because hypermetabolism is a hunter's law type tech where yeah. the earlier you get it the better it is for you um which we haven't said hunter's law in a long time um <laughs> planet trait wise you're a little bit limited in that i feel like industrial is your best bet um yeah, and it's not great it's and it's not rolling? great no yeah it's you've got tar man um, that's of, a given. I don't know. It
0: gets so weird because we're trying to count these things three tiles away, which on no other map have we ever done. We've right. never said, let's count them up three tiles away. Like That's right. so far to count. But because of these anomalies, it forces us to think about things. That have, because we know players have to play differently. They right. cannot play in a safe pie slice. They just have to go. They got to get out and do stuff.
1: Right. Honestly, I think what it's going to come down to is you're going to have to come up with... You're making up your pie slice. You're deciding, yep. all right, which of these equidistance am, am I going to fight Is it fight the right over? side or is it the left yeah. side? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah I, I am saying that I do think that if, if, if the Meat Lovers is going to go for a round one gravity rift risk, Aaron Amir, I feel like, is the primary target. Always yeah um, for sure it is nice that if you go for arnor or lore you're gonna have two industrial meaning that with Tarman, you've got three and then all you need is Thiba. so you yep. could go for a round two uh con- that c- claiming that control objective round two maybe we might see that maybe pretty possible yeah um tech skip wise uh it's not it's it's not the best uh it's not the best it's really h- again it's really hard to
0: define because it depends on what kind of chances you decide to take right safely you've got green red and then blue-yellow in those three aways. Right. right. So it's still four tech skips. If you decide to go really far out, you can get another green,
1: mm-hmm. uh, and then that's about it. Right. You, over at New Albion start point. Right, right. Um, but yeah, overall, I think this is going to be one of, the, one of the most wild slices we've seen in the tournament in general. Yeah. Um, I think we will definitely at least once see a uh, I'm going for custodians through the rift. I yeah. think that we will definitely see that. Um, yeah. yeah I'm I excited why you would
0: play there in terms of like picking order I don't I just don't know if this slice will get picked right away or not I think people will not be willing to sign themselves up for that risk but mm-hmm. they'll pick a faction first and then there'll be like two or three slices left and they'll be like you know what this faction could do meat lovers, right? I could, I could go. I could have a meat lovers game today, and and I think that's where you're gonna see this one come into play. You is, know, is faction first pick, but then they're like, all right, okay, I'll try it. Right, let's go, let's right. go.
1: Um, with with the thing I always say about meat lovers is it just depends on how hungry you are. You know, uh, are we ready to talk about? Oh no. <laughs> the green player's position. That
0: was an amazing... All right. Uh, I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah. There is some splaining to do. So, to well, first of all, do. before we
1: tell you the name, uh, this is the supernova um, position. The supernova position. With the supernova in between you and Mechatol Rex. Um, and it's called... Uh, this is probably uh, the most... Is this the stupidest name of the tournament? Is it's the not stupid. Uh, it's actually great, but it, it really has to be explained. Um, it's called Dave's Dutch Oven. And <laughs> it Matt... Could've, it could have just been called Dutch Oven. Right, but it should be called Dave's Dutch Oven. And why? I I, I don't have to explain this. You do. So it,
0: it could have been called Dutch Oven just because the supernova, right? And everything... Like, you're kind of in this... Not only are you... Surrounding the campfire. But right. More importantly, you have to choose a direction. Everybody else has the option of maybe going through their anomaly. You, unless you're Muat, which in that case, then you are yourself a physical Dutch oven. Right. Um, but beyond that, you, you have to choose a fight with somebody in, in the Dutch oven position. Right. Now, Dave is my dad, uh-huh. David Martins. Uh huh. And David Martins is known. For cooking with Dutch ovens, yep. so when I suggested the name Dutch oven, Hunter go. said Hunter said it should be Dave's Dutch oven right. because that's what he knows about my dad. Right. So that's the whole bit. It's a it's a familial little jape. That Hunter threw my way because I wanted to call it Dutch Oven.
1: Right. And so uh, there and you there go. we are. There you go. That's, that's DDO. Dave's Dutch Oven. Dave's Dutch Oven. So now you all know a little something about Matt and his family, um, <laughs> which is my goal. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your your uh, neighboring uh, systems. We've yeah. got on your right, we've got Tekker on Torkin. Um, and on your left, we've got Quan with the good side of the beehole. I uh, think this is a really... A efficient slice it's not the most efficient
0: but i you know Tekaran a two zero, Quan a 2-1 and then torkan a zero three. 3 like you're you don't feel like you're really wasting anything no in it's... these in these opening slices now you don't have any tech skips though this yes. shares that in common with the nebula slice with evera forevera Forever. uh, yeah uh where you just you don't have tech skips adjacent to you right um but the and the reason i kind of want to justify that is with those wormholes, because again, this is uh, Dave's Dutch Oven has the beta wormhole, those wormholes open up your access to more. So while you don't have as much immediately adjacent to you, Green and Yellow, Evera Forevera, and Dave's Dutch Oven have the most options on the far end. Right. So factions that are able to jump out there faster, ghosts obviously are great in either of these slices specifically because of Quan and Lodor, but anything that starts with Animas and can get the gravity drive fast. Is gonna do great in these slices because you can utilize those wormholes to get to places further away that aren't necessarily in your slice, but you you can gain more in the long run right. than you have in the short term.
1: Yeah, I, I expect this map to have a, a very multicolored, like everybody's just kind of mixed up everywhere kind of deal because I think there's gonna be a lot of uh People actually going for control objectives in scary yeah. places, um, mostly yep. because of Evera Forevera and Dave's Dutch Oven. I will say, I do, my current gut feeling is that well, number wise, Dave's Dutch Oven is not the worst slice, um, yeah. it, I think this difficulty of having to pick, all right, well, what equidistant am I going for? Right. And then my third option is to go mix it up across the, the map. Beta, it's right. either going to cause a lot of Dave's Dutch oven people to go tall or broke or um pick the wrong equidistant and have to yeah. fight the wrong person. Yeah, Because like we said, R&M Mir is a good direction
0: to go, but Meat Lovers is probably going for RM Mir. Right. And there's a good chance they're gonna
1: beat you there. And if, so are you gonna take that race? Are you gonna go for that? Right. I don't know. I, I mean I think in, in most I think in most cases if Meat Lovers is is uh going to to play that to go through the rift. I mean, obviously, it's a 70% chance. So we, if they take that gamble... If they fail, you got prime right. pickings. Well, yeah, <laughs> honestly, that's, that's what, kind of what's scary about it is you kind of need to see what's going to happen with well, that. Well, see, that's the thing about Dave's Dutch
0: oven is you wait for meat lovers to make their mistakes. You just bake a little. You just right. sit there and you cook. You You simmer. wait it out. You simmer. With a Dutch oven, it's about the slow cook. Right. You're not, you're not
1: doing anything fast in a Dutch oven. Right. You're sitting it and you're letting it
0: wait and you see what you get on the other side.
1: Let's let's talk. So the so the equidistance are of course Aaron Amir, um, and then Cornique Resculon on the other side. Yeah. That you're gonna be. It's there's gonna be a lot of competition. I feel like with Dave's Dutch Oven because yeah. I feel like the white player is gonna have a uh, pretty good reason to come after Cornique Resculon, and Maybe. then Meat Lovers. I feel like is gonna have a very good reason to go to Aaron Amir. I, I will make my case later why I think White is probably going for Cornique Resculon. Okay. I um, don't think that way, but I, I'm interested to hear your point. We'll get to that. I do. Um but uh I just think in Dave's Dutch oven you're gonna have a lot of competition and this quan uh b hole access is yeah. I think gonna be very uh important. Yeah, but it's funny that it's funny that
0: the slice with the supernova on the path to Metatal is maybe the best option to take Mecatal Yeah,
1: I just think it's because of the because of that B hole access, um, yeah. and like I said, I think players are going to be getting each other's away. Yeah, no, uh, uh-uh. uh. Well, I I didn't swear. Okay, that's not a swear. That's not a swear. I, I just that's all. Just shut up, Matt. Um. So, anyways, uh, and obviously Dave's Dutch oven is going to be very defensive. So, but not in yeah. like a extra way. Uh, no, just it like doesn't have the it doesn't have that ever forever
0: defenses. It's like right. a. I don't know. I don't even know if I categorize it as defensive. It's right. very weird.
1: Yeah. Um, PDS I networks think... in general are going to be kind of difficult to set up here because they're yep. going to be kind of bunk unless you get them on the equidistance, that of course yeah. are going to be the most difficult uh, spaces to take. Right. Um, and even on the equidistance, they, they're not going to have the, the crazy access that they normally do. Yeah. I will say Evera
0: Forevera sort of has a trait and tech skip problem. Yeah. I, I think. Um, you've got your red in your choke points. You've got green, white, or green, yellow, and blue in your three threeaways. Um, but of course, you know we can't really count on that much. Uh, and more importantly, you like, said you said evera forevera. You mean Dave's Dutch Oven, right? Uh, I was comparing it to evera Forever. Oh, I see. I see. Uh, but the point being, Dave's Dutch Oven has like cultural planets are pretty all right if you if you choose that path if you go around the Cornique Resculon way. But everything else is actually fairly tricky because even if you go through Quan, you're opening up access to like Lazar, New Albion, and Grawl for some industrials. But I'm not sure where your fourth industrial is coming from. It's just I, I think Dave's has less options than Evera Forevera does in that respect. And kind of the same thing with the te- te- tech skips. Y- you, right. you run into a couple issues. So those objectives I do think are a little bit harder. So I don't know. May- maybe this is the worst slice maybe I,
1: I think that it i think it, that it is just barely uh, i think that's inherent in the fact that there's a supernova supernova, that's what a supernova is the Nova's worst gonna do. it's yeah. the worst anomaly to be in the way um, but i do think that if you can leverage that advantage of like nobody's getting through there yeah. um, it it could be it, it could be uh, you could have a decent game with it um, yeah. i do i do think that it is it is the worst because it has this impediment um, and it is not the most perfectly defensive, uh, slice either, because there are, yeah. there are two slices, the two slices we have to talk about, um, I think have more, oh, you just kind of get this for free, but yeah. that is kind of inherent in the, uh, the five player setup yeah, they're always going to have that. Um, yeah. are we ready to talk about the white player?
0: Um, real quick, I, I like that I did this with Evera Forever. I forgot to do it with Meat Lovers. I want to throw out a couple factions for these two Pisces. slices. Oh, sure, that, sure, that sure. Like, obviously, Dave's Dutch Oven, Muat is is fun and interesting. I don't know if it's great. You don't have the tech. You don't have the tech. Skips you don't have, have the time. tech. You don't have the tech skips. You also start with one movement warson, so you're not going through that supernova right away. You're not getting gravity drive anytime soon. So I wouldn't say it's great for Muat, but is it? Is it? Does it feel good? For anybody else. Is anybody else playing this way? I think it is a good Ghosts
1: pick. I think it's a great ghost pick. I think it's any blue, uh, blue tech faction, I think, right. is going to have uh, a lot Honestly, of fun here. Honestly,
0: Soul is great here. Oh, because yeah. Because they can. Soul can pick a direction and solidify it. So p- Soul can just say, no, I'm going to take the R&M mirror direction, and maybe even I don't beat the Gravity Rift faction to get there. I don't beat Meat Lovers, but I'll bring more later and I'll beat them then.
1: I think it's a good Nalu faction, too, just based on the fact that maybe you'll be able to lock down one of the equidistance before somebody else because yeah. you're always going first. Uh, that's kind of a big toss-up there. I think sure. Dave's Dutch Oven, I mean, like you said before, you're, you're going to have to simmer. You're going to have to look at what yeah. the other players are doing and kind yeah. of adjust to that. If Meat Lovers is going to take the gamble with Aaron Amir, uh, then we have to see how that turns out. Like, don't right. leave yourself open to that. Um, I think this is the slice where you have to play uh, the smartest. Yes. But if you can leverage that supernova to your advantage, instead of it being uh impediment, an in, in, in impediment, an impediment. impediment, whatever, impediment, uh, yeah. then I think you could have a lot of success. Yeah. Can you throw out any factions for, for
0: meat lovers before we move on?
1: Oh, right. Yeah. Meat lovers. That. is so. Uh,
0: that green skip nearby. Mentak is interesting.
1: Yeah. I think Mentak is probably launching the most cruisers interesting.
0: cruisers extra far. You know, four systems away. If you get cruiser two right away, that's pretty big. I mean, you, you can just send those cruisers. Anywhere. Also,
1: we've seen a lot of uh, MenTech players that just park a cruiser uh-huh. in the the uh, gravity rift to right. pillage from people, and that's a very solid. Like, okay, that's a solid pillage. You forever. can even park
0: something in Evera Forever as Nebula <laughs> round one. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know, you can just get, you can just put stuff wherever. So any any faction that's kind of like that, that's just like, I need to get my stuff out there.
1: I think is going to do okay. I think Meat um, Lovers is really hard to predict because it all has to do on how you utilize the gravity rift. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a real gambler's slice more yeah. than anything in that I think, depending on how that gravity rift uh, chews you up, uh, we could see all kinds of viability for like different factions. I mean, yeah. it, it could even make something like Arborek a little more viable if they take the gamble and it works. You know, right. imagine yeah. an Arborec that was able to take an equidistant before their neighbor and get set up. Right. Yeah. Like it's that. Big, it's a big deal. That yeah. sounds like a lot to me. Um, yeah. And, and with the, the green g- script helps. Yep. Mm-hmm. Green skip helps with Arborec. Um, there's probably a lot of random, uh, like ways of thinking with meat lovers, just because uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. Winu I think could be interesting, obviously if they yeah. make it through, um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a little too much to even think about. I mean, ob- obviously, anybody like like let's say ghost started at Meat Lovers. I'm not really sure why they would, but using uh, the gravity rift that fling the ghost ships to basically any space. Anywhere yeah is Oof, literally <laughs> ridiculous um and there's also thiba here for a blue skip if they wanted to go for like an early light wave or something like that yeah. early light wave ghosts from meat lovers would be completely insane it's terrifying yeah all
0: right let's let's jump into these northern positions
1: okay these, these... so the white position and this might yeah. be a little bit confusing at first because yes. i think these are maybe these are in some ways the strongest names and in some ways the weakest names we've ever had <laughs> for a faction um white is called uh Leonard Nimoy uh yeah. after the actor Leonard Nimoy who played Spock on yeah. Star Trek the original series um it it d- currently makes no sense why uh for for you Brits out
0: there we're we're almost getting into a little bit of cockney slang with with these final things sure. we, we, there's there's a path we have to follow so Leonard Nimoy is, is somewhat defined by, first off, the hyperlane, the warp zone section up here by them.
1: Right. It's There's like... also
0: this asteroid field and worm, empty wormhole problem. It's, mm-hmm. it's just sort of this like, it's your brain has to reconfigure right. in this slice for space, for the outer reaches of space. You've, and, and, and more importantly, like we said, with, with Evera Forevera, Meat Lovers, and D- Dave's Dutch Oven, those three are going to be duking it out more or less with each other these northern positions feel out of place and they feel on the far reaches of space they're out exploring other things which is why we end up kind of with this
1: it feels a little star Trekky, right with the star I mean, trek thing um obviously the thing about both of both the white and purple position with the asteroid fields and their um in in the way for them uh blue factions are going to play completely differently than anybody else if you start yeah. with anti-mass deflectors um that is gonna kind of guide you a little bit uh it's not crazy broken because uh, on the other side is the alpha and beta but i think if uh if white if there's a difference like let's say there's white is somebody that starts with anti-mass and purple is someone that doesn't um i think centauri growl is gonna kind of go to that person um obviously uh Visually, it seems like purple and white are gonna duel over Centauri Gral more than anybody else. Centauri Graal is the um hex that we've placed in the middle of the hyper lanes. Right. Which um, really just becomes purple and white's equidistance. The sure.
0: Same as Corney Cresculon or Aaron Amir or Arnor
1: Lore or New Albion Starpoint. It is right. in the
0: same type of position.
1: Right. Um let's talk about uh we're getting ahead of ourselves a little sure. bit. So the uh, the neighboring planets we've got Mehorzul on uh, the the left uh, left side, and then we've got Abyssfria on the right. And earlier I said that I think that white is going to possibly d- duel with Dave's Dutch Oven uh-huh. um, for Rescue. and I want to go ahead and explain that because the purple, obviously, uh, now if you've been paying attention, has Lerta four. Yes. Um, on their kind of good side versus white. So yeah. I think we're going to see white be a little more interested in corny Gresculon than Centauri Grawl. Yeah. Um, because I think, well, per- in general, it seems like
0: everyone, despite the speaker priority issue, everyone still has an incentive to go right first. Yes.
1: Because that's the juicier value. Right. Um, so yeah, I just, I, that's just kind of the feeling I got in my bones. Um, I think after that, like what, what kind of is kind of a bummer about white and purple is that their three uh, movement away access is pretty limiting. Basically, pretty Leonard Nimoy can only get to Dal Booth which is not the sexiest hex. Yeah, right. Um, but to make up for that, you start with really
0: juicy stuff right by you. Yes. You're a 5-3 with a red skip. This is a good Starting position. Yeah, it's better than everybody else's. I would argue starting position. You you've got good money. You've got a free command counter there. You got a red skip if you want it. um Santari Grawl is a great system. Corny cresculon isn't that bad. Like y- you can make stuff work here. You just don't have as many distant options as everybody else. But like right. like we've kind of kept reiterating, nobody's guaranteed those distant options anyways. So for sure, for sure. I-, I think that that ends up being okay, and and that you know. That you can always go through that alpha and try to try to combat uh, Evera forever at Lodor and, and mess around over there. But I think more than anything, you're going to see Leonard Nimoy stay in his corner. right? This, this is your tur- more turtly faction, and they're going to get away with you know everything they can in their area.. Right. Uh, that being said, traits are, are a little tricky for them, right? I mean, there's three right, three hazardous planets right there, but the but fourth to is get- difficult. The fourth is not just. I mean, you got to take beariglor to four from your neighbor. That's right. that's basically your only option. Right is, is to is to continue continue left into your neighbor's pie slice. I, I there's
1: not any other great option for you. What is interesting in the white versus purple uh, kind of setup, and they're they're very very similar slices to each other. They're basically mirrored. Um, however, you do have a little bit of a trade advantage on purple. Uh, purple does only has access to um, well, the, purple has easy access to two Hazardous and they're two away from a third Hazardous, uh, meaning that they're going to have to duel for their third Hazardous, meaning they're probably not going to go that route if they're trying to get their fourth Hazardous from you, whereas it's very likely that you're going to have your three Hazardous and possibly try and steal one from uh, purple but it'll be the other option
0: too is another reason to go corny cresculon route is corny cresculon and dalbutha exhan are right next to each other you can get your four cultural there if you want so if you just chose and committed to that direction you could you could find your four traits there
1: i do think that corny cresculon and dalbutha zihan are going to be kind of bloodbath areas um of people uh not necessarily invading uh, both systems for all four that's kind of heinous but no. for choosing one of those systems to be like yeah. all right i'm getting those two culturals right yeah. now um yeah. from somebody else uh faction wise i think leonard nimoy basically has barony Letnev written all over oh, it Oh boy howdy does it right this is such a good barony slice. this might be the best barony Letnev slice we've had in the tournament yep. Um, you've got the red skip nearby so that you can skip, uh, everyone's favorite mage and defense grid. You can just yep. skip that. Um, you start with anti-mass, so you are not limited by the fact that you have asteroid field in front of you. Yep. Um, you've also got, I mean, you, if you win the fight for Centauri Grawl, that's a blue skip you've got, right. um, possibly getting you to, you know, fleet logistics or early dreadnought two or, um. Light or get wave. Grab drive and get your light wave or whatever. Right, yeah. right. The, the right. blue
0: red is not bad, but more importantly, that red is
1: huge. The, the red is great. Field is not a concern
0: for them. It's a lot of money, too. Abyss Freya. And I mean, like, y- you will have a command counter problem a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why Centauri Grawl is not bad. You get your other one. Th- if you go right. Mehar Zul right. into Centauri Grawl, all right, you can get two command counters around. That's not so bad. Um, so, but you'll be swimming in cash. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you yeah. will be so crazy rich so yeah Baron latinov could come swinging really again you can sit back you can build up your armada you can come out in round three or four and decimate anything anybody everybody else is stretching thin for their three OAs, right you can come out with just this huge terrifying giant fleet late game
1: what i want to say is that uh i think yeah, I think this is a great Barony slice. And in kind of theorycrafting that, I do think if you're Barony, Centauri Grawl is the one to go after and not and yeah. not Corny um, uh, Gresculon. Yeah. And actually, you know what? Now that you've brought up Command Counters in general, I think in a lot of ways, you're going to want, you just really need Centauri, honestly. Yeah.
0: That's what, that's the main thing I think about these top positions is, is command counters are a little bit of an issue because both of them are a little bit designed to be more turtley. So like the idea is maybe you aren't using so many command counters because you're kind of just sitting in your good slice, Mm -hmm. not fighting over as much stuff. So you don't have as big of a command counter need, but obviously the risk to that is like the typical extra problem of like, well, if you're not out scoring points then what are you doing right so right so these these slices i am worried about but again we're in the knockout round at this point i expect our players to find solutions to that problem of just sitting and not doing you know you could sit in your slice and not win the game or you need to find a way to get out and that could be tricky but i don't think it is insurmountable yeah for this slice
1: yeah, I mean, I think with all the resources, I think uh, any any faction that just builds crazy big fleets, uh, even L1 would be fine here. Uh, if you're just kind of stacking up and moving your big uh, your big fleet around, you should be yep. fine. Um, I do, now that we have talked this all out, I do feel like I want to take back the thing I said about Dave's Dutch Oven. I think maybe cornique Resculon is maybe more the one you're going to go for versus Aaron Amir. I think you're a little more guaranteed that. And yeah. also, if you get corny Gresculon, you're going to have your four culturals done, which yeah. is great. Which is um, really nice, yeah. Anyways, we want to talk about the last slice. We want to talk about the last
0: one. So it's very similar to Leonard Nimoy. It is basically a mirror image yeah.
1: of so, Leonard Nimoy so in we, many ways. We decided to be super trekky about it and <laughs> name the purple slice Brent Spiner. Uh, I don't you, know
0: who that Who? Who 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 is I don't. Brent Spiner I'm not that person.
1: is the actor on Star Trek: The Next Generation that portrayed the character Data. Um, Data was, if you if you don't remember, the robot character from the Next Generation, and kind of fulfilled a very similar role to Doctor Spock. On please the don't series. please don't give us a rata about how le- how
0: Spock and Data actually aren't that similar and actually they are the, hugely they, uh, similar. Sure, but very I, similar. I'm just sure some other. I'm sure we're gonna get someone who's like uh, actually. Let's discuss the inner like yeah, sure. psychology of whatever. Yeah, we're, we're, this is not a Star Trek show, and I'm not even barely. A, I don't think I've ever seen a single episode of Star Trek. Let's oh, move let's move on. I don't need. I've to, got some on. errata right Every- <laughs> now for
1: you. <laughs> you've never watched star trek let's talk about brent spiner oh my god well brent spiner 70 year old brilliant actor brent spiner <laughs> probably my favorite star trek actor and character i'll fight you uh, leonard nimoy same issue rest same in issue peace here but yeah. uh asteroid field north sure empty beta
0: further north on your route to mechatol rex is not fun it's not pretty no uh, but adjacent to you Best system in the game, Berrig Lur to four. Uh-huh. Ar- arguably best system in the game. Sure. To your left, you got Wellen, yellow skip. This one, we're calling a four, three, four resources for Barrig and then Wellen, three influence from Lur to four. Berrig Lur to four is always an awkward one to, to like try to equate. I could also call this a three, five, right? Three for Barrig, spend two, three Lur to four as one command counter, use the one, two. And if you can get, if you can scrounge up one more dollar, sure. one more influence, you can, you can get... You can get a six, uh but obviously the reason we're 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 using this math to say no, if we can't make three, six, or nine, we don't continue going up, so we we lock ourselves off at three um to to put the cart before the horse. This is my favorite Hakan slice ever
1: yeah it's I think a great
0: Hakan's got a zero one, so this can have a three six for you sitting pretty. you got a yellow skip to your left i and I have. Recently converted to desperately in love with Yellow Skip Hakan. Transit Diodes is almost required
1: yeah, for Hakan. Right, right. Uh,
0: to solve their three-planet home system problem. I'm not going to get into too many details, but I think this is a dope high slice for the Emirates of Hakan. I we agree. I haven't seen that much Hakan because players don't like to put them into the draft purely because of how much time they take, not necessarily because of the quality of the faction. Everyone's just like, oh, uh, I don't want to play a Hakan game. I wonder if. If the semis go fast, they're faster games because we're all better and more on top of it and all the players are, are faster, I think we could see that timeline issue become less of a problem, and I think we will start to see more Hakan because of it.
1: Yeah, uh, that's an interesting theory. I also think we might see the semis games take longer because it's, people uh, are agonizing more over choices. Absolutely. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, I mean, see. actually, technically, we know currently as of now... As of in, now, we know how one in game the works. current past, um, or in the current present, whatever. I'm sorry. This Future. has been this has been a messy one. Uh, what like if if it's a Hakan slice though? I feel like you can kind of give up on Centauri Grall, which I think is interesting. Get that the you new not star point. Green Skip yeah. is also great. If I can jump to production biomes, that's amazing. Right. I love
0: right. going south. I love going to Welland, then the new Albion star points. Send one carrier to Bear, to four to camp out on that. Let Leonard Nimoy take Centauri Grawl. I'll get it later if I want it. I don't need it, though. The asteroid field is not a problem. I start with Mass. I, I think everything's going to sit pretty here in Brent Spiner.
1: Yeah. I also think, uh, obviously a SAR in either Brent Spider and Leonard Lin- Nimoy is super cool. Um, yep. you kind of can even, with, uh, Chaos Mapping turn your asteroid field into a similar situation that evera Forevera has with the Nebula, yep. and that you can just kind of have, you can use the asteroid field as a staging area and strike it, who knows where right. on your turn? Yeah. Who knows everywhere. where you're going? Yep. Um,
0: I, the, the The traits aren't as big of an issue, I would say, for Brent Spiner. Uh, You can go to Baraglur to four, and then just to your south, you've got Starpoint and um, uh, Saculag for some hazardous, or you can do Well Uncason, New Albion, and Lazar for your industrial. Again, that's still a decent amount of planets to take, but if you're committing to south, it's possible, right? So you've got two options that are okay for your traits. You've even got Grawl for a fifth industrial up above. Um, I, I don't think... Brent Spiner is in much, in in quite as dire straits as Leonard Nimoy is for for that kind of thing. So in that way, I do think maybe Brent Spiner is the
1: better slice of the two. Right, right. I I think so, but I think it's just barely. And also because of Mehar Zul, it kind of, it's kind of a toss up as far as like faction matchups, basically. Yeah. Um, what, who else would be good in Brent Spiner? I actually feel like it's not a horrible yin slice. No, it's great for yin. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, the, the Astrid field is annoying because I don't yes. know if you're ever getting anti-mass deflectors as yin. Yeah. Because you, you really would just like to get Grawl and get the, the blue skip, but more importantly, yellow green skip is super great, um, for space dock two. Um, and I, I mean, yin is either a green yellow or a green blue race, depending on how you want to yep. slice it. Yep. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it is it is great for yin, and especially considering if you do decide to whichever direction you pick, um, you're going to defend it. You're yin, right? If, especially right. if you get that well in. If you, if you
1: get your transit diodes round two,
0: whichever direction you picked is more or less
1: yours. Yeah. Yeah, I think we might see uh, some yin... Uh, play in Brent Spiner with like them kind of forfeiting Centauri Grawl and maybe going for Starpoint New yep. Albion uh, and taking that from Evera Forevera. I am really curious as to the relationship between Brent Spiner and Evera, Evera Forevera forever. yeah. because Evera is the is I mean I think Evera Meat Lovers are probably the two most wild slices uh, yeah. and probably the best. But there's a lot of there's a they lot the of best unknowns. because of
0: the options, yes, right, so Brent Spiner could throw all kinds of of kinks into the in you know they they could really throw off ever Forever's plans right, which would main but ever forever has the advantage of well, I can redirect I can go somewhere else. It's not actually a huge deal because I have lots and lots of options right that's what makes those slices good the the sheer dollar amount isn't necessarily that much better mm-hmm. in in those in evera forever and meat lovers right but I don't. I can't decide if that's gonna be what decides these games, right? Is it gonna be the amount of options you have, or is just the the slice that has the clearest perfect path? Is that the best one, right? Is Brent Spiner great because Welland to New Albion Starpoint to Lazar Saculac to Mechatol Rex is a pretty dope path. Is you know is is that gonna be the defining feature of these of these of this map of like whoever found the best the best route of all? A tier perfect systems. That's
1: that's the best one. I, I, I don't know. All right, I've got some predictions then. I've got things okay. I want to say. I think Evera Forevera and Meat Lovers have the greatest uh, potential as far as slices go. Meaning that I think yes. you slap down basically any old faction. Yeah, they're, they've got a, They've got a good shot, okay. um, and they can utilize those possible advantages. Dave's Dutch Oven. No idea what's gonna yeah. happen with that <laughs> one. Um, it's it's gonna be a weird one. Uh, I think I think all of these slices are viable, um, but that Dave's Dutch oven is just kind of an awkward, uh, awkward slice. I yeah. think Leonard Nimoy and Brent Spiner with the right factions will will dominate, will have nice. really, really solid games. But the draft has to go the right way for you. And this is another uh, the, the thing that this map has in common with the semis map is I feel like people are going to have a little bit of prejudice against blue factions factions that start with anti-mass not as much as in the semis semis people are really talking up how much starting with a blue tech is such a huge advantage on that map um but i mean if you're starting in leonard nimoy and brent spiner it's it's you gotta think that maybe you know being able to like go from your home system two away to corny gresculon through the asteroid field uh is you're always going to have that as an option whereas everybody else has to go to the one spot and then to the two if that makes sense Right, it does. Dave's Dutch Oven has to go to Quan and then decide if they want to go to Gresculon. Right. Whereas Leonard Nimoy is always going to be able to hop through the asteroid field and possibly yeah. surprise take Corny Gresculon. Yeah. If they have um, anti-mass. I, I
0: think from, from the tournament perspective, I'm excited for the draft on this map, maybe more than anywhere else, because I think, I think the draft is going to play out fairly similarly in every game. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're going to see... Meat Lovers and an Ever or Forever get grabbed first. Maybe not even... Meat Lovers is questionable. It's hard to say exactly what's going to happen there. But I think Ever of Forever is going to be a first pick slice. Almost every time. I think it is really good. Which means it's generally going to have the lower factions. Right. Um, versus the people who grab a faction right away. Oh, Soul got in this game. I'm grabbing that. They're going to end up in Leonard Nimoy or Brent Spiner. Right. Which I think kind of works out i think this map will have the best self-balancing because i don't think any of these slices are so far out of whack with each other i don't think they're so far out of balance but there is a little bit of a power dynamic and i think that matches the amount of power dynamic between the factions right so i think the best factions will end up in leonard nimoy and brent spider and the worst factions will end up in ever forever a little bit of meat lovers dave's dutch oven will be that sort of middle ground Mm mm-hmm yeah, um, I I agree. And, and I think that's gonna lead to some really just great games. Um, because I think it's gonna come out really balanced. I I, I currently don't see uh these games being especially swingy. I I think it's gonna be a knockdown, drag out fight all the way down to the tenth point.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um and also one one thing that I just realized is uh the <laughs> uh the learn the secrets of the cosmos yeah that one that secret objective is uh very accomplishable on this
0: yeah, yeah. everyone can do it easily right without even thinking about it
1: right so don't get too cocky uh getting <laughs> that point i will say that is an automatic point on this uh yeah. just something i and honestly that one's kind of always an easy point um, yeah, if you're doing, especially if when when I'm doing these symmetrical builds, that has generally
0: been the case. And it's even better on a five-player map because now there's not one person getting left out of that.
1: Yep. everybody gets a shot at it. Um, yep. I'm just really excited to see people play on this map. Uh, and I, I don't know. Uh, everybody let us know, as always, yep. uh, what you think. Uh, you know, complain if that's what you do. If you're a complainer, <laughs> go ahead and throw those complaints out there. Let's hear it. Uh, sure. If you got a fix uh, for something that you found that I we really, didn't I see. honestly, and this isn't me having an ego about it, I can't
0: imagine what a fix here would be.
1: I can't imagine either, but everything
0: I'm, everything I've ever looked at with this is just a reshuffle. Right. It's just like, it's just deciding to change something up. I can't see anything that is an obvious flaw that would deserve a fix, but people always point out stuff about these maps that is something I never even just thought of. I just thought, yeah. like, oh, I just didn't even consider that that was something people would think about so i don't know we we will definitely see what gets said and I'm, i'm excited i i love doing these map discussions if anything once the tournament is over like i might occasionally just make a map so that we can talk about it on the show because i think it's fun and i like i like our platform of the having this show as a good opportunity to get tests like this right try out maps get get multiple games on one map just to see how that kind of shakes out, I, I I have a lot of interest in that, and I that's a project I will probably continue in the future. All right. Well, uh, I just want to say I like this show. <laughs> well, I you know what I like, you know Hunter, I, I think you're a good friend, and I I like you.
1: Hey, you know what? I think I like you, and I think I like I, that. That wasn't to you, Matt. That was to the listener. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um,
0: I, I like Arada, and I haven't seen him in a while. Let's do it.
1: All right, so here we go. We got some, uh, welcome to the errata zone, uh, with, I am your host, Hunter Donaldson, and this is my co-host, Matt Martins. Uh, Hello. Yeah, say hello, uh, to the people. Last week, we did the best episode of all time, uh, which you'd think wouldn't have any errata, but that's not really how the show works, my friends, um we were talking about basically a glossary of terms having to do with just meta table play stuff in general, yep. and it was so much
0: Non-tactical, fun. Non-tactical, non-strategic, yes. purely above the table. But we
1: did say a lot of buzzwords that yep. do get people in a tiffy. Words Woo. like kneecapping, words yep. like kingmaking. You know, these types of episodes, I
0: think people don't even listen to. When they when they want to comment on it mm-hmm. because of like you're saying the buzzword thing, not to say nobody's listening to it. Blah. No, I'm just saying people come to the table with stuff to say about knee capping, and they don't even need to listen to the episode because they know what they gotta say when it comes to knee capping or king making or whatever. All these terms. So yeah, the the buzzwords someone sees us mention that and they're already on Reddit typing out their uh-huh. paragraph about kneecapping. Right. Which is great. They're the biggest threads and they're super fun. Like it, we, we hash out a lot of stuff at this point. It's getting a little cyclical. I mean, we're, we've kind of hit a lot of the same points with some things. So today's errata, I think we're trying to hit some, some stuff we haven't really.
1: Right. So, on so if you submitted some errata on like King making, uh, We're trying to give that one a little bit of a break. We tried to give it a break even in the episode, and I think we probably even talked about it for too long. Yeah. Um, But the first one is from Phil Roy. Uh, It is about kneecapping. Phil Roy says, Personally, I look at kneecapping as taking decisive action against less powerful players instead of taking other more advantageous, actions i like the specificity of yep. this definition a lot yes and i think it is something maybe we were circ- orbiting but we did not quite right. capture this essence. i think more more
0: than anything you were i don't I, I don't think i ever boiled down what i felt about kneecapping but you were kind of orbiting this idea which is that to kneecap is very distinct from attacking the person in the lead that uh-huh. attacking the person in the lead is just what happens in twilight Imperium, right, right. kneecapping is this I'm hurting a less powerful player generally in a way that gains me nothing. Right. or very little because, because again, if I'm, if I'm trying to accomplish an objective and it happens to be through you and that hurts you, that's also not necessarily kneecapping from a meta standpoint. All of those two just like scenarios are tactical scenarios. I need to stop the leader or I need to gain whatever points and yours are the easiest kneecapping is you are weak i will make you weaker and crush your ability to do anything this game
1: it's like a player is playing space risk for a minute and that's not to denigrate kneecapping i think it is a smart play sometimes uh i think those situations are kind of rare um i do think people talk about a lot of situations where they should have been tougher on an opponent and they weren't um I feel like sometimes that's a grass is always greener kind of situation where you're I just agree. thinking like, oh, like if I had really, cause most of the time when people try and eliminate somebody else or really try and double down on someone, uh, it, it costs them too much because then you're kind of yeah. praying for the objectives to reward you and they might not already be set up to do that. Now, if they already are, then whatever, go, right. have at it. Um, but I do like that there's this kind of, uh, like almost bullyish or bullish acts aspect to Phil Roy's definition, where it's yeah. like, you are kind of, um, you are you're doing b- a m- mean thing. Yeah. You're probably, when we use knee
0: capping as a proper turn, it's not a good thing. Yeah. It's not something that the rest of the table is like, Oh, this is okay. We're all okay with this. Yeah. Um, it, it, it should fall in line with a lot of the other meta descriptions where it's like, Ooh, you feel a little seedy. You feel a little, a little dirty after doing that. Right. That's, right. that's how knee capping should feel is like, I'm going to take Arborex home system just after I took the system with all of their ground forces and they're going to be left essentially with nothing. Yeah. Just cause I can do it. Just cause I can right now. That's the only reason I'm doing it. That's kneecapping.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. Or just like any, any time someone, uh, I think the most common kneecapping situation is when you make like a round two, attack on somebody that is like oh you kind of messed up here um and like maybe you left your home system defended and now i can activate it and bring a cruiser to with a ground force and invade one of your home systems and i'm also arborec or something and then i can like you know what i mean like just something along that that weak attack that it just devastates them right and it forces them to basically waste around or you know like yeah uh I, I I really like uh, what Phil Roy wrote. Uh, we got an uh, interesting errata from Jada Paik. Well, yeah. So this is
0: a lot of people we we brought up at the beginning of the show. And this is probably me being a naughty a naughty man, uh, kind of revealing Jada Paik's faction before he was like fully releasing it. We kind of teased it. Uh, and uh, so we got a lot of questions of, hey, where, where can I find Jada Paik's faction? I want to see it. I want to play it. I want to know what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And... Uh he's sort of released a couple like little pictures of it and he's he's posted the dis like the abilities and everything on our Discord and whatnot. But uh he wanted to make sure people were knowing he was he was posting this around that he's going to officially release it on April 1st. Right. Which I guess it's April Fool's Day and we're talking about Jada Peake here, so I don't know how far who, you can trust yeah, that. Who knows what that means? Who knows what that means? But I assume he's he he is meaning that. So so if you really want to get that faction uh, keep an eye out for it until beginning of April, uh, and he'll be posting it. I assume on the subreddit, and we'll repost it on the Discord and Twitter and everywhere because it is a cool.
1: It's uh, pretty he, cool. He mailed
0: us. He mailed us each copies of it. Or at least well, I was about I was, I
1: about, I was about to say if you're really cool, then you already have it. You know, because right. like the coolest people are right. Have it. Me and Matt are really cool, so we already have.
0: It, <laughs> right. Actually, we ha- we have like the beta version, so we gotta. We, I got to get an update. I have to get the updated version.
1: The art is so great. Um, Laxo, Alex, uh, who has been on the show several times, writes in to talk about fluxing. Fluxing? Yeah. No, not flexing. Fluxing.
0: Fluxing. Um, what was fluxing again? Fluxing was our meta term for basically someone who doesn't necessarily always explain the rules when it's not advantageous for them. I don't. I don't tell you exactly how this action card works because i don't want you to use it on me right now because it would hurt me so i I just don't really bring up that part of it that that's sort of the idea of flexing right Right. well hiding hiding aspects of rules from people
1: i thought flexing was where you pretend to mess up the rules or not know the rules yeah
0: i mean it's i think it's a little bit of a combination
1: of all of that right Uh, so it's
0: it's it's to
1: not know that you're that you're that someone could have fired their pds or something anyways yeah what does alex say so alex says Honestly, I'm going to go on the record and say fluxing is very similar to angle shooting to my mind. And in that sense, I consider it dishonest and unsportsmanlike. I'm not talking here about suggesting how another player plays, but reminding other players about steps of the game, like PDS fire. Basically, if Twilight Imperium were a computer game and all the steps were automated so that it prompted you and asked, would you like to fire your PDS or similar optional steps like writers?" everyone at the table ought to collectively accept that responsibility to create the level playing field is dictated by the rules. I do this when I play, and I realize I probably put myself at a disadvantage to other players who don't have the sense of collective spirit, but it's a bleeping board game (laughs) that I play with my friends. To me, there's an extremely thin line between not reminding someone about PDS when you think they may have forgotten and going ahead and rolling your combat dice to mess them up, uh, to mess them out of that step. I guess I just feel like every win ought to be honest and predicated completely on actual intelligence, good strategy, bluffing, et cetera, within the confines of the game, both as how it's designed and intended. I really liked that um, that piece because uh, it's very in line with, like my I feel like, my attitude as mm-hmm. a Twilight Imperium gamer. Um, I think it's important for people to continue to be respectful. Um, I do feel like I have a weird caveat to this, yep. which is that for the purpose of the tournament and me and Matt moderating um, and keeping that all running smoothly, PDS, I think, is one of the things that we have decided to not remind people to do not because we disagree with what alex is saying here but because it creates a slippery slope situation where we then have to remind people uh to do everything that is like a may and we decided that may as a keyword basically designates that it's something we're not going to remind you to do we will however state it's the end of the movement step and if you know what happens then that's your cue for PDS fire basically Um,
0: the, yeah, I, so basically, I completely agree with all of this, even if I sometimes accidentally like don't enact it as, as much as I can. I think, I, I, think I, am a, I have a weakness where I get too hung up in my own um, strategy, where I, I, just, I just quiet up and I let people make their mistakes because I'm just trying to make my thing happen. But regardless, uh, I agree that the players themselves should be reminding each other of every step. Uh, and, and that's, to to go off of Hunter's point, that's what I think the players in our tournament should be doing as well. Um, the, the stance that we're starting to solidify is that Hunter and I's job is to make sure you don't actively break any rules. Yes. It is not to make sure you are reminded of every single step in the game. We started out that way, and it's not good, and it takes too long, and it's unnecessary because we're people are smart enough to play the game themselves. So... What we're really trying to do is just not let anyone break rules. And if the players want to remind each other of their PDS and everything, that's on them, but that is not on us as moderators. So to, to that end, Laxo's point, Alex's point of what, how a player, how, it, it's on the players, it's on this collective spirit. That should still exist within the tournament. Those six players in that game should have that collective spirit to keep everything moving along. But the moderators are this separate outside entity that is only there to keep the game from any obvious cheating to make sure builds are done properly to make sure people have the counters when they're supposed to have the counters and don't have them when they're not supposed to have them that kind of stuff we're just right. there to make sure people don't break the rules not remind you of every single rule
1: yeah because if we're willing to remind you of every single rule then i think there's no limit to right that. right um and essentially we could we could get in trouble for all kinds of things um so yeah i do think right now we are very much into just uh if if it's a may we uh we are gonna leave it to you yeah um however we 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 do always uh make sure that people understand what phase of the game that we are in
0: yeah um so there's one more here this is not a, a direct errata uh this was not posted in our reddit thread and this was not posted on the discord but uh there was a thread by marine Alver, a very uh active poster on the reddit uh the the subreddit Mm -hmm. uh, and he made a post called the mathematics of smurfing why the winner of the twilight imperium tournament will not be the best twilight imperium player what this is a personal attack and i take no Uh, (laughs) um so uh is it's a very long post and it's it's a mathematical thing it's it's if you know what the monty hall problem is it's a very similar thing to that it's like this statistical anomaly that works sort of the opposite way as you would expect it to work. I'm not going to go over everything, but the gist is if you have a 1v1, the better player statistically will win. If you have a 1v1v1, the way the actual numbers break down is the worst player actually usually wins because they mess up the flow of the game. And so there's an argument that this, is, this function takes place in Twilight Imperium, that the worst players can throw off the best players and I'm not doing a perfect job of explaining this, but that's also because we're talking about like a mathematical theory that only exists in kind of a mathematical vacuum. So obviously it's not taking a lot of things into consideration, right? Like, it, it, like say, it doesn't
1: take in count wind resistance. Like it doesn't have right. wind <laughs> resistance, that kind
0: of thing. Uh, so the idea then just being that the more players you add to a thing, the less chance, the best players have of actually being the winner. And so TI is in this weird wiggle room of like, are we going to have the best player come out of this tournament or not? And I thought this was a weird, this is a tough call to make. I I agree to a certain extent with like the general idea of this. I think TI has too many other things at play where there are obviously, it's not like you can be a terrible player and win the TI tournament. Every yep. player that's going into the semis and the knockout round, these are good players that earned their wins. They played well. Um, but were they absolutely the best player at every table? Can
1: you even quantify that? I uh, don't think you can. No, I don't think you can. And I, I also think that there are a lot of games that really smell a lot like the example uh, that we have here. Uh, look at the post. It's it's really, really good. Mathematics of, The Mathematics of Smurfing. Um check it out very good post I really dig it. Um what I want to say about it is that what it made me think of and this is going to be very personal to me but it'll be fun cuz I'll get to kind of tell you something about my world. Um this reminds me of how people kind of perceive uh stand-up comedians or like misperceive stand-up comedians. Yeah. Um because a very good stand-up comedian uh in my eyes as somebody that spends a lot of time doing stand-up comedy and watching uh people do comedy is not necessarily someone that never has a bad set, uh, because that's basically impossible. Um, There are lots of no-win situations in comedy, even for people that are famous and established. Um, You can go to YouTube and type in stories of comedians bombing and find all types of horrible stories. The best
0: comedians in the world.
1: Right. Just having a horrible time, because basically in stand-up comedy... Um, there are so many factors at play in, in every any given night that it is impossible to predict even based on your skill level at it, which I feel like is very similar to Twilight Imperium. Yes. You, you might be a skilled player, but there are going to be so many factors going into this game that your skill is not necessarily going to... Um, mean that you win however if we took a look at any of these players that we define as skilled and we watched them over a long period of time i think we would see kind of the general the if you graphed all of their performances you would start seeing oh this person is skilled because when i look at all of the games overall that randomness starts to even out to where oh clearly this person uh is is a lot better than they might appear Right. Uh, if you catch catch them on just one game, so I right. just think that this is very this idea is very true um but it it really only makes sense in one uh single game, which I think is great that um essentially whoever uh wins this tournament at least won three games of Twilight Imperium, yeah, which I would say in some ways just because they're of that gating. I I think it they're gonna have to have been a skilled player in order yeah. to even win three games of Twilight Imperium. I think the skill is gonna be the cause a player's skill is the only thing that is kind of a non like random factor. Yeah. Everything else is random, and then there's their abilities, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah, I, I, I it's and that is not even really what I just said is does not really take down this mathematics of smurfing problem really at all, Um, I'm simply just zooming out and being like, I I do think that if even though this is true on a micro level, on a macro level, you could probably say, oh, so-and-so is a good player versus somebody else's experience, even though if you had a really weak player and a really strong player uh, on the macro level, they could still come into a game together and the really weak player could win because of this exact type of problem. Yeah, So Absolutely. So
0: a little bit of agreement, a little bit of disagreement, hard hard to say. Um, For me, I think it really comes down to I don't think you can quantify TI players skill in the same way that this mathematical problem assumes you can, um, because there are so many different avenues that success can come from for a TI player. We've seen players that are just tactically very, very smart and make safe, smart plays constantly. And then we've seen players that are really good at manipulating the table to get away with stuff that those tactical players usually go. That's imp- how could how are you getting away with that? That's stupid. I would never make that kind of deal. Right. But other good players are making. They're not just taking advantage of bad players good players are making those deals too it's, so that there's there's this weird wiggle room where it's like it isn't just raw mental skill there there's this gamesmanship, social aspects to it that other people can take advantage of so there's different avenues of success
1: yeah so. i i i agree i think i think that's kind of what i was trying to say about the the randomness i think the randomness of ti is um really much wilder than the mathematics of smurfing example gives you um and i i feel like that randomness helps to even out and make it feel like generally uh skilled players are going to win games um i mean there's really it's really hard to if this is true it's really hard to explain why we have players that win games frequently like how is that possible
0: right yeah it it wouldn't make sense unless that they
1: were good. Yeah. Like, unless good players right. win games. Right. I mean, let's just take even me and Matt, for example. We're super pros. How have super we pro. How have we won so many of our streamed games? <laughs> you
0: suck. That's horrible. <laughs> All right. Hey, guess <laughs> how what? Have, how have I Twitter. won?
1: How have I won so much <laughs> at times and, and then not won other times? How is hey, that I'm even two possible? For two.
0: My past two games, I've won. So that's it, 100%, striking average. So that's I, it. That's I,
1: all the numbers I'm counting. I lost my last game, but I won the game before. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Marine, Le- means- Marine, Marine Alver, what does that mean? Tell me, what's the mathematics of my... What, how do, am I the brown hat? Am I the it white means, hat?
0: Hunter, it means you're 50% good.
1: I am 50% good, and, I'm, I, and this has been 50% good today, <laughs> this
0: show. Uh, Hey, guess what? You can follow us on Twitter at SpaceCatsPod. Uh, You can see uh, announcements as well as I've gotten back into, I played a live game this past weekend and I tweeted all about it. So if you want to see the map we played on and get a general idea of how the game went, I like to post that stuff on Twitter. Uh, You can go to our Facebook for more announcements and you can also message us there. If you ever have questions in game or out of game about TI, Uh, go to the twilight Imperium subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash twilight Imperium for posts and discussion. I mentioned it earlier in the show, but uh, you can find this map and lots of other maps. If you go to that URL and add slash wiki, W-I-K-I slash maps. And that's a really great resource uh, if you're just not wanting to build a map and you want to grab something real fast. You can go to our Patreon. That's where you will uh, be able to contribute to the show and be uh, an active participant. Uh, There's all sorts of different levels where you can either be a co-producer of the show, make an episode, or you can play games with us. Or just vote on upcoming episodes. Uh, You can jump on our Discord. You get some of your Patreon benefits there, uh, as well as lots of fun conversation. Uh, We pull a lot of errata from Discord these days, so if you want to join the active conversation on Discord rather than just the sort of forum post style on Reddit, that's a great place for it. Please rate us on your podcast app of choice. Uh, Ratings on Apple Podcasts and iTunes are a really big deal in the podcast world, and it makes us look better, and it makes Twilight Imperium look better, and it gets more people playing the game, and it's just generally good for all of us, uh, and we would appreciate it quite a lot if you uh, upped our show a little bit. Give us a five-star rating. Uh, Hunter Donaldson, do you want to talk about your comedy at all? You got some stuff coming up? My
1: name's Hunter Donaldson. I'm a stand-up comedian. Um, I work mostly in Portland, Oregon, although uh, it looks like I have possibly some dates coming up in late May in Raleigh, raleigh raleigh. Raleigh? North, raleigh north north carolina which i'm pretty excited about like may 22nd through 26th um so if you live in that area go ahead and hit me up because i would love to hear from you um but as far as portland right now on march 6th i will be doing you're welcome a show at mississippi pizza uh which is a super cool show that starts pretty late i think it starts at like 9 30 or 10 actually i think it starts at 10 um that's a really good show. Every, every Thursday, you can see me at Ford Food and Drink at 8 o'clock for a show called Earthquake Hurricane that I co-host with some comedians. That's super great. Um, on March 9th, you can see me do uh, my brunch show that I co-host with Jake Silberman. Uh, it is called Comedy Bender, and that happens at noon at The Lamp, which is a bar connected to the Aladdin Theater. And I have a very cool show on March 12th at the Doug Fur um, which is a show called cool kids, uh, the cool kids comedy show, which is not my favorite name for a show. Um, but that is a really cool show. And if you know, the Doug Fur, that is a really, really great venue to be playing at. Um, honestly kind of, uh, above my pay grade or <laughs> how good I am really at all. Um, so I'm very excited about that. I have no business being there and there's nothing better than that. Uh, that's it for me. I want to thank some Patreoners. I want to thank our Space Kitties, Yin for Life, Patience
0: is a Virtue, Naderade, and Jimbov. You want me to do the Play of the Week? Yes, I will. I'll do it. I'll do it since since you Uh, asked. I want to say, I want to start throwing this on this part. Uh, If you want to submit a Play of the Week, email us space cats peace turtles at gmail.com this is where i always pull the the plays of the week from so if you email us put play in the week in the in the subject line we will get it in the right place and we'll add it to our pool of plays of the week
1: hunter what do we got this one is from jim b we were playing a three-player game this was my second game and the other two players first game so you'll understand why things happened the way they did this is a great intro (laughs) that is we were all unfamiliar with all the cards and abilities that exist in the game we did not know how to play (laughs) i was the nalu to my left was hakan to my right was muat so that person really didn't know how to play um hakan and i were in range of a win in the current round i only needed to make it to the status phase and as the nalu i would score first and win that is when I read the Imperial strategy card and realized that Hakan was going to play leadership to get her six command tokens for two points. The next turn, play Imperial to win the game. I had to take her home system. It was good that I had taken warfare. My plan was to move a fleet next to her, next to her home system on round one. Then on round two, play warfare, removing the command token and place it in her home system for a shot at taking a planet. Hmm. Newbie mistake. Warfare does not allow you to do that. (laughs) I I was shaking my head, and I'm glad that uh, Jim immediately addressed this. After after I moved adjacent to her home system, defeating the small fleet she had there, she played leadership and acquired enough command tokens to be able to score the two-point public objective. That is when I reread the Warfare strategy card and realized that it would take two rounds to get into her home system. At this point, I didn't see any way for me to keep Hakan from winning next muat played tech we were going to play the game out even though the outcome seemed certain both hakan and i were deciding which tech to research i didn't think it mattered so uh, so i was going to upgrade a ship or something maybe get carrier two. hakan was looking through her tech and asked hey what does this mean she read the language of fleet logistics i looked through my stack of tech cards read the language on fleet logistics to make sure it said what i what I thought, and immediately changed my mind and researched fleet logistics. The rest is simple. I played Warfare, then as a second action, activated her home system, took a planet, and ultimately won the game. To this day, she keeps telling me she really won if only she had kept her mouth shut. That... That's such a good play of the week because of what Alex (laughs) said earlier. (laughs) What an honorable player, just being like, "I'm just having honest question here, and I'm not thinking about how it will affect me the answer to this question." (laughs) That's great. What a good ad. What a good tood on everybody there. Good tood everybody. Good toods and good toots. Good toods. Yeah. Good toots. What? I don't know. I gotta go. (laughs) All right. Well. See you later. Goodbye. This was fun.